What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another week of Unscripted. I'm your host, Akeem Haynes. Before we get into this week's episode of Unscripted, I actually want to do something a little bit different. A few of you have been asking, Akeem, you need to get into a little bit more sport commentary, man. Why don't you talk about sports as much? And so it's not that I don't want to talk about sports. I just never really thought anybody would be interested in it. <laughs> but since you asked, I'm going to get a little bit to it, but I also want to do it a little different and get a meaning behind what it is that I'm going to be talking about. So this past weekend, I was watching the UFC fight. I was watching the champion, Kamaru Usman, and I was watching Gilbert Burns, right? What's interesting is they were training partners at one point. It's a beautiful thing to have training partners because it's a good way to judge where you're at, where your weaknesses is, where your strengths are, and what you can improve on. As a professional athlete for some time, in my track and field camp in Phoenix, I was going up against some of the best athletes in the world on a daily basis. But it was good for me because I could judge where I was. I could judge how my block starts felt. I could judge my speed and where I was at. I could gauge where I was. And that's very important. And so being training partners, you kind of know what you're going to get. And I thought it was interesting during this fight that that was kind of what you saw in this fight. You could kind of see where they were at. You could kind of see that Gilbert knew some of the tactics that Kamaru was going to use, but it didn't stop Kamaru from doing what he does best. And that's raising to the challenge of high pressure. I mean, one thing is for sure, you can never count out the champ, right? Being involved in sports, mindset is everything. And Kamaru's mindset is he's just on a different level right now. You can never count out the champ. So that is that segment of sport analysis. <laughs> All right, but you've heard me blabber enough. Let's get into this week's episode and this week's guest. My guest this week is psychologist and entrepreneur, Dr. Tierra Ellis. I want to make sure I get this right. Dr. Tierra Ellis is a psychologist that specializes in adolescent and young adult health and all things trauma related. A graduate from Arizona State University in 2012, she graduated with two Bachelor of Arts degrees in Psychology and African American Studies and a minor in Dance. From there, she went on to further her education at Howard University where she earned her doctorate degree in Physical in School Psychology. Tierra doesn't just talk about change, she does everything in her power to live it. She is the founder and the executive director of Sykes of Color Inc., which is a nonprofit organization that uses a strengths based approach to provide mental health education, academic support, family support, and mentoring to decrease the stigma of mental health and promote radical healing to Black and Latina adolescents and young adults. Tierra uses her experiences and pain from the past to create an incredible transformation for the present, and to walk into the future. Tierra is joyful, she's positive, she's enthusiastic, but most importantly, she has found purpose. And when a person finds purpose, no matter what comes their way, they will find a way to make sure they fulfill that purpose. She gives so much great advice, so much great wisdom. This is an episode that you will see that healing is for all of us. And in order to heal the right way in a positive manner, we have to know our signs, our triggers, and we have to know when to ask for help. So without further ado, I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Unscripted with Dr. Tierra Ellis.
Wait a minute. Before you get into this week's episode of Unscripted, do us a huge favor. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review of the podcast. Let us know what you think of the podcast. We do this for you. We want to add value to your lives and we just want to know that you're getting something from it. You might as well subscribe while you're there too as well. And if you're watching the visual side of this, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel too. Come on now. This is a family. Don't 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 leave the house without getting the key to come back to it, right? So go ahead and subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out on any further episodes of Unscripted. If you would like to support Unscripted, all you gotta do then is head on over to our Instagram page and just click the link in the bio and it'll show you how you can best support the podcast. If you're watching the visual episode, then you can just go down there <laughs> and find out and click the link there and see how you can best support the podcast. So that's it for me. So without further ado, enjoy Dr. Tierra Ellis. And we'll see you next week. How are you doing? You can hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you. Perfect, perfect. I like the setup you have going on back there. Oh, thank you. I like yours too, you know. <laughs> Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you on today. I'm very excited about the discussion that we're going to have today. But first, um, I know it's been a tough weekend for you. Um, I want to send my condolences to you. Um, you know, I lost uh, my grandfather early in my life when I was about 12, 13. Um, but there was a lot of things that he left in me that I still think about to this day a lot of things that he would say to me at an early age that I didn't understand what it meant or understood what it meant. But as I got older, it's the wisdom that he instilled in me that I still remember to this day. So what are some things that your grandmother left you uh, that you look to when obviously she was here, but also in the future? Yeah, you know, um, I appreciate you first, first off for acknowledging that, Akeem. Um, something like whenever I think of my grandma, I think of her smile. That's the first thing wow. that comes to my mind, you know, and just her laugh. I, I really, honestly, I don't have any bad like memories of her. And I love to smile and laugh. So throughout this time of grieving, that is actually what has, one of the things that have kept me like uplifted in my spirits is hearing her laugh and then wow. I keep listening to her voicemail wow. and um her voicemail you can hear her joy and so those are the things that have got me definitely through when she was here and um physically away and so that is the first thing that comes to my mind but there's and also her spirit I can still feel her spirit even though she's not physically here it's it's like I don't know it's just like I feel her and so mm. Um, and, and her and she feel it just feels so just love I just feel the love and it, it calms me you know so that is something that she definitely has left us and I'm just so grateful for it and I think that says a lot about obviously the profession that you're in why you went that route and we'll get into that as the discussion goes on but I want to go back real quick to last year right it's 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 an I don't think the word interesting says enough about it, but it's been a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of uncertainties, a lot of hope, a lot of dark moments, a lot of just trying to figure out the confusion. What helped you last year to keep you in that right state of mind? And what was your thought process 
going through it? Yeah, so honestly, what helped me was it, it's so easy to isolate because that's like what they mm. want to do, right? So making sure that I still kept in touch with people, whether, whether it be through phone or FaceTime, because we are not designed as humans to not have human interaction. And so that is what, even though it's kind of, it's kind of funny because it's like, they're trying to keep us physically safe, but mm. it's also not attending to our mental state as well. It's not keeping us mentally safe, you know? So um, something that I always encourage my friends, family, and something I did was making sure that I was um, uh, staying in touch with people, talking to people, FaceTime. Um, and that was until it was like, okay, wear your mask and everything. But I just made sure I stayed in touch with people because you can get lost. Like you, you feel so uneasy in your spirit. And there were times where I was like, Sarah, I think you've been, you haven't talked to anyone. It's time to talk to somebody, you know, like call your mom, call your grandma, call your dad, call somebody, you know, and just like see what they're up to, you know? And, and I think just that communication and that interaction is what definitely kept me going. Also grounding, um, you know, mind you, it was not only the pandemic, but also the stuff that was going on with the Black Lives Matter movement. Granted, this is nothing new to us, but it was like the heightened police brutality that was in the media, right? And so that is actually when I started being more like, I had people, I guess, because they know my field, my friends reaching out to me like, Tierra, um, I'm feeling like this and they're describing vicarious trauma, you know? And mm. these are some of my friends who have their, PhDs and degrees and, you know, in other fields. And I was like, you know what? I, I can only imagine what other people may be feeling like this is my field. Maybe I should. And that's when I started being more intentional about even using my social media to help um, provide that what we call psychoeducation, just mental health education about different ways to first off cope and ways and what are some symptoms you may be experiencing during these times and so that's actually it was like in May where I honestly never I, I post a picture here and there but that's when I became more intentional about I want to teach and help everyone with um who do not have the means to go to therapy maybe I can provide some tips of how to get through this time so that's how that happened you know you said a lot of great things there and you know, I want to, I want to, I want to go back to the beginning aspect of it because I always think the reason why a person does something there is a purpose attached to it, and a lot of times we hear about the positive things, but sometimes we find purpose through turmoil, through chaos, through hardships, through defeats, through a lot of things that we didn't ask for that we still got to go through and got to deal with it. So what 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 made you? Where does the the foundation of becoming a psychologist, where did that stem from? Was it something that happened when you were growing up? Was it, where did that originate from? Or even the thought process that made you think, you know what, I wanna do something that helps people. I just don't know what. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So my mom, she was a juvenile detention officer and this was when I was in high school. And she would come home and tell me about like stories about these youth. Mm. And that is, I also, that coupled with being in an AP psychology course, I was like, you know what? I, first off, I, I've always loved helping people and being there for people. I think it also goes back, like I grew up in a household where I was, I'm the oldest of six. Wow. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so there's that. But when my mom used to come and share these stories, I said, I want to, and it's, it's so crazy because I didn't realize that God was speaking to me. Like, like he was whispering, like foreshadowing, like, this is your purpose. I mean, if you were, well, I'll try to give you like step-by-step step of how it, it has evolved. So then I got, went to Arizona. So I went to Arizona State University for undergrad, majored in psychology, African, African-American studies, and um, minored in dance. But I wanted to learn more about my culture, which is why I majored in African, African-American studies, yeah. but also psychology, of course. And so I, every, every experience it was like God shared more and more of like, like he, it revealed more of my purpose. So through my experiences there, through organizations I was involved in. And so that is how I figured, okay, I want to be a school psychologist, you know, yeah. and through my experiences, I, I joined a, a black sorority, a, a Delta Sigma Theta sorority. I saw that. You was, you was repping hard the other day. I, you know, you know had to. So, <laughs> So one of my sorority sisters was a school psychologist. Well, she is. So she told me more about that. And I said, you know what? I always had in the back of my mind of working with these youth who are in the, who are court involved. So mm -hmm. did that. I actually um, graduated from Arizona State University. Then I moved to LA and I took a year off because <laughs> Howard, I, I went to Howard for grad school. I hadn't, I couldn't fathom paying <laughs> paying for school because Arizona State covered it. So I took a year off and I actually got a job that I, I wasn't even qualified for. And that's where I was working with men and women on parole with serious mental illnesses. And mm -hmm. that opened the doors for jobs that I got when I went to DC. And so long story short, <laughs> got my degree at Howard. Um, and then I started doing a lot of clinical experiences working for the DC Superior Court, um, writing psych evals for adjudicated youth. And that helped inform the judges on what should I do with this youth? Should I let them go back in the community or, or to the juvenile, juvenile detention center? And then I worked in the prison setting in East Baltimore and um, Jessup, Maryland, working in the schools whoa, in the prison. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wait, yes. So um, 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 Baltimore is it's pretty tough from what I understand, right? <laughs> East Baltimore is that, yes. <laughs> and little on me, I'm always smiling. You know, it definitely taught me a lot. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine, right? And, and it, it's funny because it sounds like you kind of grew up in this way, especially with your mom being involved in it. Right. But in a family of, in a family of six. Yes what was that household like? Like, you know, cause I'm assuming your mom was probably a disciplinarian from, just from my assumption, what was growing up in that like? And, and, and what are some of the things that you saw that, you know, aren't really talked about so much? You know, I think so, sometimes as kids growing up, there's a lot of things that we see, don't understand. And there's a lot of things that we see, don't understand. And we make sure that we don't think about it again. But what was that like for you? Like a family of six is, there's some things going on inside the household now. It's tough. Right. Especially because before it was a family of six or, or, or I had, there were six siblings or six of us. Um, I got five siblings, but before that it was, my mom was a single parent of three. So it was just mm. two of my younger siblings. So I, 
had to learn, um, you know, my mom go to work and she worked multiple jobs. So I, this is when I started learning, um, I had to learn how to do hair. You know, I started doing hair when I was eight. And then I, that's when I would go to school and like um, before school, after school, got a little hustle, good side hustle. Yeah. My mom taught me how to hustle. She taught me how, but at the same time, it was like, I didn't know what I was learning but it was definitely something that is instilled in, that was that is instilled in me like um being i'm i'm super ambitious <laughs> and even if if i if i go for something i don't get it um i i look at it as like that just wasn't that that just wasn't for me at the time you know and and it's just not in my purpose whether it's right now maybe it is later but it's just not right now and i was able to i'm able to accept that so it's like the way i view things is a little different than maybe some people get upset. Like I didn't get that experience and I'm like, God has something better or that's just, or he's protecting me from something, you know? So, so that, and then also I don't have any children, but like I, I've become this person that is like, I'm so nurturing and it's like, yeah. um, you know, so it's like, <laughs> yeah. And I just love to help people. And honestly, I think that also contributed to me being in my field, like always being there, you know, for my siblings, helping my mom out. I knew I got a job as early as like 14. And then I was um, working. I, I had multiple little Wendy's, Jack in the Box, hey, little hey, Income, streets. <laughs> right. And then I, I ran track and I also ran cross country running with some, and playing basketball, playing sports. So I, that taught me discipline in a different way than my mom did, you know? And so I think that all of those experiences combined like definitely contributed to me for sure as the, the person that I am today. Um, and even just my interpersonal skills, you know, and being in those uh, those clubs or or those experience or having those experiences. So yeah. <laughs> Let's go back real quick. Were you running track in college? I didn't do it in college. I did it in high school. I was going to do, but I, you know, I decided I was going to stop in college, but my, my coaches were like, Tara, you should do it. You know, we did state in high school so many times and, oh, I love track, but I didn't, I just stopped and was like, I don't know, but it's so near and dear to my heart. Sometimes I think about that and I'm like, Tara, why did you stop? But I still run to this day, but yeah, I didn't do it in college. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I went to Alabama and I was there on a track scholarship. And mm -hmm. I think honestly, with your schedule in college and then trying to balance something would have had to, something would have had to been gone. And yet the schedule is too rigorous for everything to be, not that it can't happen, but it's very tough. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the college experience first, but this yeah. question just came to mind before. Yeah. You know, I think in the recent years, mental health has been, it has been something that's been talked about, right? It's been something that's at the forefront of most people, most organizations, and it's starting to get the light. But why do you think that it's taken so long for it to be a discussion rather than someone saying, oh man, you're just being weak. You know what you're talking about sharing your stuff. Where, wh why do you think it's so important now, especially in your experience and why do you think it has taken us this point? And it's still not really talked about as much, but why do you think it has come to light in this era rather than previous generations? Because things just don't come together all of a sudden. Right. I think it has taken, I mean, 
for instance, I see Taraji, you got people who are like not mental health professionals, but who are um, advocating for mental health. But I think it has gotten to first, let's back up. The times we're living in, it's hard to ignore those feelings, right? It's yeah. hard to ignore, I'm feeling, um, and people may not even know how to identify it, but they know something is wrong. And so when they start to see people like myself or other people who are mental health professionals who know what's going on and in providing that mental health education, um, I get people DMing, DMing me all the time like, do you think, what do you think this is? Like, I, I don't know how to identify it, but I'm feeling this. And I think just the awareness and even us, people like us being more um, comfortable with sharing that I even go to therapy. Mm. And so I think that that has normalized it a lot where, and it's becoming like a domino effect. And the more that people see like, okay, well, my friend is going to therapy. There's nothing wrong. Okay. And I know that maybe I should try it, you know? Mm. And I think yeah. that it, it's becoming a thing where I see this person doing it. Okay. So maybe I should try it. And I think it's just getting, it's just one of those things that's getting around. And especially, like I said, especially during this time, it's hard to ignore and to just suppress these feelings. I think it totally has like, as far as like the awareness has definitely gone up with within the last year alone, you know, just because of everything that was going on. And so that it is my opinion because of the series of events that have gone on, especially in America, yeah. um, you know, and then also the matter of where you're having psychologists, mental health professionals step up to help educate people on what it is that's going on. So that is what is my opinion. And then also, like I said, you have people who are, who are celebrities who are actually have a bigger platform where it, you're able to learn, like maybe they're reposting somebody on social media and then everybody's able to see it. Mind you, they're not professionals, but they're advocating, right? And that yeah. is also getting the word out. So I think and then when you see somebody, and even Beyonce, I think Beyonce also, she definitely has something. She's an advocate as well. So seeing people that you look up to as well, like advocate, that's why I think it's becoming a thing. Like everybody's like, okay, you know? Yeah, more more people are starting to bring light to it. And it's right. funny, you know, sometimes, as the saying says, sometimes you don't know what you know until you know, oh. you know? And, and it, 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 it's an apparent thing when you really think about it. But when you're in college, there's so many different fields. You know, mental health is distributed to so many different tree branches. What drew you to, now I did a little research, <laughs> to working with young adults? Like what, what, what made you go that route? Yeah, so I, I've worked with everyone. Currently, yes, I specialize with um, adolescents and young adults here, right? I went that route because I think that um, I see as I like, um, I, as I can, as I've worked with adolescents and young adults, that is a time where you're going through a lot and there's a lot of changes, you, you know, some of them going, especially adolescents just hit puberty and, um, you know, some are still in school. So they're experiencing bullying, um, all those different emotions and experiences that their, the body is changing there. And it's like helping them in the like while they're going through it mm. hopefully during in the beginning stages yeah. to get them connected sooner than later um to help prevent what could potentially happen if you know maybe we got them in adulthood 
um, prevent some of those traumas. So that's why I personally love working with adolescents and, and young adults. And so, um, and, and even with my nonprofit that I have, like, that is why we, you know, it's all about like, first let's identify what you're feeling. Cause some of them don't even know, like I said. And so that is, that is why I like steer towards them first. That's like my population of choice. Yeah. But of course I, I work with everyone. When it comes to, cause again, like you said, most people don't know um, how to identify what they're feeling. What are some red flags that you could give that would say, you know what, this is something here that's, that's not just here. There's something here that I need to uncover. What, what, what are some things that people should look for? Sure. If you are starting to notice, like, you are not interested in the things that you were interested in doing, things that mm. used to bring you pleasure, that's good. Um, that may potentially be some depression that you're experiencing. Um, if you notice that your moods are low on most days than not, that is something that, and mind you, this, what I'm saying is actually uh, can be multiple things that's going on. It could be like uh, across different disorders or across different types of things that could be happening. Um, if you notice that you want to isolate, um, that could be, like I said, that could be depression. That could be maybe you're grieving. Maybe it could be multiple things that's going on there too. Or if you notice that you are feeling just like intense emotions inside that just won't come, that you're like, I don't know why I've been feeling like this. And it's, I don't know how to describe it. And it's, I don't, and it's just, it won't come out no matter what I do. Even when I try to hang out with people or whatnot, like that may be some um, just low moods. And a lot of that, I don't want to go into like the brain and everything because I can, but a lot of that can be just, you have um, low serotonin, you know, um, which is in the, you know, your prefrontal cortex. It's a neurotransmitter. And that's why my happy place is the beach. There are some things that can, like the beach actually increases your moods. It, it, it makes sure that like it brings that serotonin levels up, you know, and that's the reward system. And so uh, that, and yeah, those are some of the ones that I see more often or anxiety. If you're noticing that you're, you're feeling like jittery or, and it could be, it could be physiological symptoms. If you're noticing somatic symptoms, whether it's like you're shaking, your heart is beating all the time, it's being fast. That can be some anxiety. And something that I would suggest, because I always, if I, if I'm saying what it could be, I always like to suggest what to do. Absolutely. <laughs> and so if you're experiencing anxiety, one of the first things you want to, whether it's anxiety, depression, whatever, if you're even grief, um, something that you want to do is making sure that I love to suggest grounding where you're actually bringing your physical body back in connection with the earth and mm. with grounding with grounding. Say, for instance, I want to make sure I'm paying attention. I want to pick a color, say I pick, I pick yellow and I, I want to find everything in my home that's yellow. And what it's doing is it's taking your mind off of those emotions or those feelings. And it's, it's allowing you to, it's allowing you to refocus your thoughts um, on like, it's like on your body. Uh, so it's like, I'm not going to focus on the anxiety. I'm actually going to focus on whatever is yellow. And that is actually in that time, your body is calming itself. Kind of like being present right now. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Being present. And then also like something that even myself, if I get anxious or nervous, I also, I do a lot of, this may sound cliche, but I do a lot of deep breathing because what that does is that actually allows me to take back control of my body. And um, because your body is trying to control you. And that's just when I breathe in, hold it for like four seconds. And then I just blow out Mm. for four seconds. And it just like, calms me and it just and it sounds so cliche but it, it definitely works <laughs> you know what's funny about cliche statements is there's a reason why they are cliche because they're the truth right like growing up you used to be like i'm not about to do none of that what are you talking about but then when you do it you realize oh, okay this there's there's some more foundation behind this um right you know when it comes to well first of all <laughs> for those listening look that was that's that's a hundred dollar a minute session right there that you just got. So I appreciate you sharing that. You know, it's 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 always interesting how the mind works and how the mind can work with us, work against us, manipulate us, however it so pleases. Um, experience is the greatest teacher. What are some of the experiences that you went through to just learn how to properly help people in a way that helps them? Because evidently what works for one may not work for another. So you can't really bring the same cookie cutter philosophy into it, right? What were some of the things that you experienced with, you know, clients and sessions that you found yourself saying, okay, this isn't going to work. I got to do something else. And where did you go for that? Did you have mentors? Did you go back to, you know, grandma's words? What, 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 What were some things that that helped you? And was there ever an experience where you said, you know what, I have to refer you to somebody else because I may not have the skills right now to be able to help you. Right. So first I'd like to shout out Howard because we, my program is, um, we focus on being culturally sensitive and relevant. And I would like to say competent, but it's like, it's hard to be competent in one's culture. Mm. Right. Yeah. But, um, but that is what we specialize in. So we've worked with a lot of Howard, like in my program, they make, they um, instill in us. Yes, you're right. You cannot, you, you can't have the same approach for everybody. Right. So I actually, what I've done is, although Howard gave me a lot of the, like, I worked with a lot of um, Latinx, black youth, um, youth from different middle Eastern and just different places. I also wanted to work with what I didn't really get at Howard. My experience was working with white people. (laughs) And so um, my internship year, which is like our residency year, is when I went to Southern Illinois and worked in a rural white area. And this is when I was like, oh gosh, I wonder how this is going to be for me. Um, I've never worked with these people before. But you know what was so interesting is that, um, and mind you, these are um, people who are in, these are low income people, mostly in poverty. And I've never really seen this or worked with these individuals, especially white people. So what what I noticed was a lot of similarities. Um, the only difference was, was a lot of differences was, was the race. But when it came to it, that I'm like, I'm not sure of what, like how I may approach them. You have to allow the client to, to teach you, let them mm. teach you what it is that they're 
experiencing their culture I think sometimes a lot of professionals think they have to know everything and sometimes and and that's not the case you don't have to know everything so sometimes I may say you know what I've never heard of this before can you share with me about your culture so for instance I worked with um a, a young Chinese girl and I had never worked with anyone from her background what I did was um, asked her like what are her experiences and then after that first session I went to the research what is it that you know so that I may go to the research and then I also individual like everybody's experiences with how you approach them is definitely specialized but I also get their feedback on how is this working for you hmm. what is it that you would like to see more of you know and so I like to have this collaboration type of uh, relationship with my clients um, where it's like, I'm helping you, but I, but you're also helping yourself too. So I think that that is what has helped me. I've never had to refer out um, before, thank God, surprisingly, I've never had to refer out, but I will say that I have experienced a lot of clients for the first time, but it just, they just had to, I just collaborated with them. We had to, we were like working together. And I mean, a lot of my, all my clients, I work with them together, but yeah. we really had to work together. Yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, do a little but, extra. <laughs> right. So that is what, um, and then if there was, like I said, when it came to my client who was Chinese, I had to learn a lot about how they approach therapy. What is it that they expect? For instance, gift giving in the Asian community, gift giving is something where the therapist gives the client like maybe some tools or some some um, uh, suggestions of how to approach X, Y, and Z mm. that you do in the beginning of the therapy, like relationship, the therapeutic relationship, and that is what um, they that is what they appreciate. So I would I didn't know that until I did my research. Okay, gift giving. So yeah, that's something that is not now. Now we're working with Black people. Um, they like an egalitarian relationship where we're like we're working very closely together, time specific. You know, let's stick to the time. You know, I don't want it to. <laughs> so it's like just knowing those little things. Yeah, and that's what the literature says too. But definitely working closely with those clients as well. You know, it's so interesting you say that because, you know, sometimes those things are often overlooked, right? And I think when you bring up the word, the word race, it can go many different ways. But the reality is um, we're treated differently. We grew up differently. There are things that are absolutely different. And so being able to go to the core of how can I best help you? Mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think that's a question that is asked enough of. And I think that's that's something that that you said I was like wow I never really heard that before because usually it's okay we're gonna do this we're gonna do this at this time at this time at this time we're gonna talk about this and so I think that says a lot about what you said at the beginning about human connection relationships you know how obviously I guess it's a double-edged question how 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 important is trust as a psychologist but in general as a whole, because people aren't going to open up to you unless they feel like they can trust you. It's like, yes, they may be paying, but they also may be holding back. And if they're holding back, then you can't really get to the core of how to help them. So Mm -hmm. as a psychologist, especially with, with, with young working with the youth and so many others, 
what are some ways that you get them to trust you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and even going to what you just said, they are like, they know their experience is better, better than you, mm-hmm. right? And so that is why it is super important to ask them, like, how can you help them? Um, and I think that question alone fosters that trust as well, because it sends the message that you're not going to treat me like I'm less than just because of this role mm-hmm. you're in. That's good. It also sends the message that you genuinely are trying to, you, you're trying to support me as I'm going through X, Y, and Z. I think also too, something I tell my clients is that, you know, I have had my experiences, some traumatic myself and some, um, you know, I, my life is not perfect. And I know that, especially when, it's, when they're new to me, I know that I'm a new person to you. So don't ever feel obligated to just share your whole life because I don't do that to my, to people yeah. either when I first yeah. meet them. So being easy with them in the beginning, I mean, throughout the therapeutic relationship, um, letting them know, like when it's time and you feel that this is it, like this is time to share this experience, then feel free, but don't, don't feel like you have to just throw it all up. You know, um, whenever you feel it's appropriate per your experiences, even if it's the first few sessions, we're just like, you're just filling me out. We're just getting to know each other, you know, that's still building rapport. Mm -hmm. And so I think being gentle, some people could be very rigid because it's like, okay, we are supposed to be doing therapy. Therapy can look like so, so many different things, you know, and it could even be in the fact of, in the matter of you just like building rapport and teaching them that they can trust you, that may actually be therapeutic on its own because they may not even be able to, they may be hard at trusting people mm, and yeah. you're teaching them that you're somebody they can trust. And that is actually restructuring how they think already. That's therapy, <laughs> you know? That's good. That's very good. <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 I'm sure your days are long sometimes definitely from a physical standpoint, but also you're in a profession where you take on a lot of people's pain and and their feelings and just trying to unclutter the clutter. How do you find balance in the two? Because one of my things when when I started speaking, um, for me, speaking is one thing, but the real conversation always happens away when you're off the stage. And people have shared a lot of things with me and dealing with that, I'm a person who, you know, it, 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 I have learned over the years and it took me some time to be able to separate the two because, you know, when you try and help every single person, you lose yourself along the way to some extent. So how do you find balance and how do you not take work home with you so Tierra can be Tierra and have a life away from work as well too? Yeah, no, that's a great question because... <laughs> It has not always been the case, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, because I used to take it home with me and I'd be thinking like, especially I had a client who had, was dealing with some DV and I would just be thinking like, are they going through this right now? This was like years ago, earlier in the field. Like this was when I was, this was in 2012 when I had just graduated undergrad. And, but you know, now I learned that I also, yes, you do. I do know how to separate it. What I do is I just, I, I self-care hard. <laughs> I self-care yeah. hard. And like, when I mean I self-care hard, I, I call it like my little triangle where it's like, 
I physically, like I'm, I work out. So I told you, I love to run. So I have a run team that I run here, or run with in LA. And um, so I run with them. And then I also, or I may run with my, by myself um, or, or running at the beach, mm-hmm. the way I eat too. So I'm also very conscious of how I eat because what people don't realize is that <clears throat> some of the foods that you eat can also contribute to you having low moods or the foods you don't eat, you know? And so um, I'm also very mindful of the way I eat and making sure that I'm getting everything that I should be getting. And then also my spirituality, God, to that. you know, and like, I, that's my, that's my best friend. <laughs> like, honestly, to be honest with you, I've not really had many mentors growing up, but I definitely had my God, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, just, you know, speaking with him, making sure I'm aligned with him. When I have all those three intact, I'm balanced. And so just making sure that I'm actually attending to those three, those are, that's what keeps me balanced. And that's what keeps me like making sure that I, that that's what ensures me that I'm like separating work from the personal. So you found something that works for you. And mm-hmm. that's, that's very important. Because I think sometimes, you know, we see whether listening to a podcast or a TV show or a movie, you see something that works for them. But then when we try to do it, it doesn't, it does, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't work as well. Right. You know, how long did it take you to cultivate that? Right. So now you're able to say, you know what, this is off, this is off, this is off. I need to make sure I realign myself. How long did that take you to get to your system? Because we got to understand that we all think differently. We may think similarly, but what may work for some may not work for the uh, for others. That goes with mentally, physically, emotionally. How long did it take for you to get that? Because that's that's habits over over time. It's still getting there. <laughs> I'll be lying if I said I mastered it. There's some times where like I'm like, okay, I'm I'm feeling a little unbalanced, and I'm like, oh, I haven't been I haven't been doing any physical like activity you know and so i i have to be reminded it's so easy to go especially when you're doing a lot yeah it's so easy to get unbalanced so that is i would be lying to you Akim, if i said i haven't mastered i don't yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but what i will say is that a lot of trial and error for me to realize like these are the three things that keep me contained these are the three things that keep me going that keep me like um at my best so it took pretty much all my life (laughs) to figure it out (laughs) and I think that like sometimes like I mean I love to like just I love to smile and laugh and anything that's like (laughs) anything that is just like self-care mental health like that's catering to my mental health like it doesn't take a lot for me to like really be to cater to that um however I may forget to go like I don't know I may forget to to read my Bible or read the mm. word. And I'm like, yo, I've, I've been going to everybody. I, I haven't gone to the source. Yeah. You know, so it's like yeah. something may, if something is off, I know that my triangle is something's wrong. <laughs> but I, I'm still working on it. What what made you go to therapy yourself? What made me go to therapy? That's a really good question. So what made me go to therapy is knowing that I before becoming a psychologist before becoming a mental health professional, 
I also had my maladaptive ways of coping. My mal I've experienced my own experiences of trauma and everything you could probably think of. I've had those experiences that I needed to make sure that, especially in um, like a, a lot of that informs the way that you are interpersonally, you know, mm -hmm. it informs the way that you are, whether it's in romantic relationships, whether it's in um, just uh, friendships. And I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't suppressing anything, even though it may not be on the forefront of my mind, my conscious brain um, or my conscious mind. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that I also went back and, and attended to those things as well, because I want to also let people know, like I did it too. And um, even in exploring it, and like I say, it's like an onion when you go and you go for one thing, you're starting to realize like, oh, I didn't, I did suppress that thing. Mm, let, me yeah. actually, let me actually explore this a little bit more. Okay, then when I explore this, then I have to explore this a little more. So honestly, I didn't know what was still suppressed. I didn't know, even though I thought I was okay or fine, like there was a lot that I had to still work on. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> And I think, you know, personal development by itself is, is, is a lifelong investment. You know, we, 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 we all think we're good until we're not. <laughs> I want to talk about your foundation. Uh, what, what was the core reasoning why you wanted to do this? Um, and I'm going to let you explain it because you can explain it much better than I can. But I know that it goes back, my assumption, it goes back to when you were talking about uh, Howard, learning from different cultures and different things like that. Um, what made you start this foundation? Of learning from different people, or, or yeah, because it's 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 Sykes of Color, if I remember correctly. Oh, my organization. Yes, your organization. Your organization. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> I get super excited talking about Sykes of Color. So what informed me? Mind you, I finished Howard, and I actually had defended my dissertation. And me, I can't just sit down. I don't know why I can't, Akeem, I don't know why. But <laughs> I was in the process <laughs> of waiting to actually graduate. Mind you, I finished my dissertation maybe two months before I, um, I defended before, like maybe two months before graduating. So I said, okay, I wanna join that. So there's a, a, a network called the National Juvenile Justice Network. And I wanted to be in that network, be a fellow. And mind you, this is like, it would be perfect to be, um, you know, in, in touch with these people who have the same fight as me, who, who have the same like-mindedness as me in yeah. regards to, to um, dismantling the school to prison pipeline and all of that stuff. I actually did not get accepted to be a fellow the first time I applied. However, what it required you to do was create an intervention. And mm. I created an intervention that was... Um, that was centered on mental health and pretty much destigmatizing mental health in black yeah, and brown communities. Yeah. And even though I didn't get it, <laughs> I still carried out my intervention. And um, two years later, decided, okay, I'm going to apply again. And that's when I became, so I'm a current fellow now. So what even moved me to even like apply and everything it was like, I was done with school. I'm like, okay, I, I've done a lot of presentations at conferences. I know there's an issue now, what Tierra, what are you gonna do? How are you going to, um, to give back to the field in the way that's 
that is going to not only be research oriented, but actually that's that's helping these yeah. these people that you know have need the support and, and the help. So that is what moved me to to do the intervention. The intervention served as a catalyst for my nonprofit. And that is centered on destigmatizing mental health in black and brown communities, providing family support, mentoring, um, and, and mental health education wow. yeah. to black and brown youth who are, are court involved. And, and we do it through radical healing. And so um, we, and when we say radical healing, mind you, it's like, it's healing is not linear, right? And, <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> And so, and so um, we we definitely look at how can we help you collectively, and and how can you help yourself on an individual level. And so, that is how Psyches of Color came about. And that actually, it came, I thought of it two months before find, finding the organization. It wow. was it was not even something I said I'm going to do that. It just I thought of it and I said, all right, I'm done with this intervention. Now what? <laughs> Yeah. Let's create a nonprofit. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, th- that alone is a story by itself. You know, you <laughs> you didn't get in the first time, but the second time, you know, that's the story of perseverance right there by itself. That's a different sermon right there. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, I want to talk about, you know, this real quick before we get into the last fun five questions. You know, being a, a woman in an industry where, it can often seem like women need more healing than men. In my opinion, I think that from a physical, from a mental standpoint, I think women are much stronger than men because, you know, women may cry and they'll get their emotions out and then they'll figure out the problem and they'll move on from it. But guys, we're, we suppress it a lot more. We'll say, you know what, man, that's, it's, it's cool. We don't got to talk about that no more. We're going to move on. I'm good. I'm strong. Like, you know, push-ups and blah, 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 and all that stuff. But when it comes to the impact that you're able to make, sometimes people don't always tell you that they're, that they see the work that you're doing, that they appreciate what you're doing. But do you feel like you are, and I'm going to tell you that you are raising the bar and showing that it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter. As long as you have a purpose, as long as you know what you want to do, there's a way to go about it. Do you ever feel pressure <laughs> from where you came from? Family of six, <laughs> The, the, the discipline your mom probably put in you, you know, you have people saying, you know, why is she doing it like that? She should have done it like this. You have people saying, why should I pay you this amount of money for this? What makes you think that you can heal me? You can help me. Mm-hmm. How do you handle the pressure? Do you feel it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, honestly, like if people are like, it's first off, the first thing that came to my mind was pressure from when my grandmother passed away, I had a lot of family members coming to me because mm. of my field. That was a lot. And I'm like, yeah, okay, tough. I actually have to grieve myself. But I'm, so that was a different type of that pressure where it was like my um, aunts calling me like, 
T, I know um, you, you know, you, you can call me. Um, I just want to talk to you. And, you know, and of course I'm going to talk to them and everything. And then when I get off the phone, I'm like, God, you can call me. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, you yeah, call absolutely. me, help me. Call me. <laughs> right. I'm <And> free. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so honestly, that is some pressure that I, that first comes to my mind that I've actually experienced recently. Now, when it comes to, um, even just being a woman, like, uh, how can you help me? Or do you know, the thing is, is that when you know your purpose and you know, like, I, first off, if God, if I, if God is telling me to do something, like there's nothing, I've gotten past the point where it's like, if I hear people telling me I can't do it, that motivates me to do it even more, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's like, because I know that, if this is what God has instilled in me, if this is what I'm here for, part, you know, my purpose, then this is what I'm going to make sure I do. And can't nobody stop me. I, I could stop myself, but God, like no weapon formed against me will prosper. prosper. Come on, now. you know? So either way, no matter who it is that's telling me, and, and when I say Akeem, I won't get too much into it. <laughs> I have to fight for my intervention systems systems where I've come out with my intervention, with my data. Um, Cause mind you, it was a clinical trial. It was the most rigorous research you can do that I actually yeah. did. It was a pilot. Um, when I tell you there's been people who tried to take my intervention, who tried to like, you know, like take, just, just stop me from elevating. And I, when I tell you God fought for me and, and I knew that that's what he was doing. I just had to walk and, and make sure that I was listening to him as he was guiding me along the way. So to be honest with you, it doesn't do anything, but it just like, it, it, it motivates me mm. um, because I know that that's just, sometimes it's confirmation that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know, the, everything you just mentioned and, and you know, it, it, it makes me think of a scripture that has always helped me every time that, you know, I feel discouraged or I feel like something isn't right because I'm a firm believer that when God gives you purpose, well, for one, God is very short on details. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the brother will just drop you in the middle of the desert and say, you know what, look, get here, but I'm gonna help you. And you're just like, well, am I going like to the right? Like where you, you took my phone, got GPS, you took my phone. But when he, when he gives us purpose and, and we all have a purpose, right? Like I'm a firm believer that I don't believe that we're here just to exist. There is something inside of us and we got to cultivate that mm -hmm. and find a way to serve because the creator brought us here to serve as he did his son. But the scripture that came to mind was, do not be weary for doing good for at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Galatians 6 verse 9. And so everything that you're describing to me, you were continuing to do good. You were continuing to do what you know, what you know best. And at the proper time, you know, things started to expand and things started to unfold. And so, you know, I know, I feel it that your grandmother is extremely proud of you. And I hope that you don't forget that. And I know if she was here right beside you, she would be hugging you and kissing you and telling you, you know what? I see you. I see what you're doing. Yeah, I see what you're doing. 
I appreciate that. And it's so funny because I remember telling her like, grandma, I got to do this. This was actually maybe last month or the month before that. It, was, it wasn't too long ago. And I was like, grandma, I got these other goals. And she's like, you just don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I got to make you proud, grandma. And she said, baby, you already have. Wow. And so like, wow. you know, Rakeem, I don't, there's no, no doubt in my mind what you're saying. And I appreciate you for saying that. That like warms my heart. <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I've, through my career speaking and athletically, like I was one of those people who I don't say things just to say it because I believe a lot of people say fluff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you can always feel when it's like, oh man, you just saying that. You read that out of a book. And so I don't believe in order to move the world forward, we can't talk fluff. We have to get to the truth because, I mean, the Bible is truth, you know, and, and that is the one thing that will always last. So that's just what I feel in my heart, you know, and, and, and just how you carry yourself. You had the funeral on the weekend and look, you're smiling. You know what I'm saying? So it's not easy to do. And I've said this a lot of times before, you spoke about joy earlier in the discussion. Joy to me is greater than happiness because joy we can always take with us. While happiness, sometimes we don't feel happy. It doesn't mean things are terrible. It's just, it's a feeling. But joy, memories, you know, ice cream can bring us joy. Netflix can bring us joy, all these different things. But I want to get into these last five no pressure questions. At least it shouldn't feel like it anyway. <laughs> Something came, I just thought of something. Oh, yes, yes, come on. Yeah, so something that I would like to also say is that a lot of people, they they seek happiness. They mm. seek, like, when they're feeling, like, anger, sadness, or, or whatever it is, I just want to encourage people to actually embrace those emotions, mm. too, you know, because we're given all of these emotions. God didn't just give us happiness for a reason. You know, sometimes I've experienced anger, sadness, but mm. within that anger and sadness, it has helped me even more with my purpose. And, um, and, and it's, it's happiness is not always going to help you elevate. It may feel good, but anger and sadness and uh, even feeling defeated sometimes, those feelings of just in hurt, whatever, like those are, those are what may elevate you though I honestly am be real throughout my journey those are they elevated me more than joy or, or happiness you know <laughs> so I just want to encourage people embrace all of your emotions because they're going to continue to elevate you through your purpose not just the happiness now I feel like I gotta write you a check I, gotta, <laughs> I feel like I gotta write you a check <laughs> you good so these, these, these last five questions, I always ask the first question and the last question, always the same. Um, the first one is, if you were trapped on an island for a deserted island for a week, what are three things that you would take with you? Ooh, three things I would take with me. I would take the word with me because I got to, that the book is like a living, just the Bible. I, I need the word. I need God's word because that'll help me get through. <laughs> <laughs> Like, God, talk to me. I'm going to open this Bible. Yeah. Okay. Tell me where to go. Yeah. I don't care if this wasn't in here before. I know you can change words. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I would also take, uh, you said three things, right? Mm -hmm. Two more. That is a good question. Okay. 
I probably would take, hmm, that's a good question because I, hmm, I was going to say water, but, you know, God provides. He's going to give me a cactus or something. Cool. Like, I would say my word, you know what I would take? A journal because I like to journal what I'm going through, how I'm feeling. That'll help me to keep myself together. Mm. Um, even if I needed to express myself, you know, just journaling, I would take, so I guess a pen, a paper, and the word. A pen, a journal, and the word. Come on, now, God will do the rest. He'll do the God rest. God will do the rest. However, you know, he'll give me some air biscuits. He'll give me some. <laughs> you know, that bleeds into my next question. Um, one meal on this island, what is one meal that you could eat for a week straight? One meal. You know, honestly, I fasted for 40 days with just water. So honestly, I would be okay with, even if it was just fruit. Mm. Um, so I'll say like, I, I'm not one of those that like, I, I can go without food, but if, it, if I had to pick a meal, I would say, hmm, honestly, I would say some grapes. I would just say some fruit, <laughs> some fruit, because it's going to keep me like hydrated and um, and it gives me the energy that I need. So I would say some grapes, some a, a platter of fruit, just you know, throw you know some fruit in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> say one day, right? You know, you're 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 walking, and and, and every day at a certain time hypothetically speaking of course 12 p.m midnight tiara turns into an animal mm. what would that animal be for you i would like to be what comes to my mind my favorite animal is a cheetah but i would like to be an elephant because we have they have so much wisdom they're so mm. so i would say an elephant um to help me navigate <laughs> through whatever it is that I'm going through. <laughs> yeah. You know, I believe information changes situations, right? And what 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 were some books, you know, for someone who may be aspiring to be a psychologist themselves? Mm -hmm. And even one from the personal development. What 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 are some maybe give me two books that really helped you when you, you know, were coming up and to this day? The book that comes to my mind is The Body Keeps the Score. And that is from, I think it's Bessel van der Kolk. And it's talking about like how trauma in the body can, this trauma that you've experienced can play out in your body and just your physical symptoms. And um, sometimes we may not understand why we're feeling certain ways, but it's the, the trauma we've experienced way back then and so um and it talks about a lot of different things in regards to like our body keeping the score of mm. our experiences I think that's the first thing that comes to my mind um and another book I would say hmm let me think uh I'm gonna look at my books oh. <laughs> <laughs> something that for me no this is not None of these books are, I guess, are fun. The New Jim Crow actually helped me with like really getting an understanding of like mass incarceration, and um, and it helped me to understand my place and like where I can, you know, help 
when it comes to, and that's by Michelle Alexander. And, and it talks about the new Jim Crow in, in our times right now and how the school to prison pipeline, mass incarcerations, how uh, prison is a business and they'll choose prison over um, creating uh, prisons over schools for economic reasons. I'm such a nerd. I know. Oh, I no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny you say that because I actually have that. I, I have that book in my Amazon cart now. So it's interesting that interesting that you're talking about it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I'm trying to think, what is a fun book? You know what book I also like is um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a, and then the F word. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Mark Mason. And the reason I love that book is because it's like, he talks a lot and, and it, it psychology is all throughout that book but he talks a lot about how we care so much about what people think and Mm -hmm. why I don't know if you read that one but to just be yourself why do you care because there's always going to be somebody that doesn't like you there's always going to be so it's just it's just a book that's like really like encourages you to like be yourself but he's sharing a lot of his experiences in a very raw form (laughs) in a raw way and it just keeps you entertained and um, and I mean, you can, I definitely empathize with a lot of his experiences that he shares and how he cared about this and what he did. And it's just like, you don't always have to be happy. He does. He's, he focuses on, you don't have to always be happy. Like yeah. sometimes it's okay to not be happy. And, you know, and people be just, people are just so like fake and they mask their emotions. And so I think that that is something that it's a satire, totally satire. It's just such a funny book, but yeah. it's also he, he, he definitely throws a lot of gems, a lot of gems. So it's a fun book. <laughs> Last question. With everything that you've been through, everything that you've experienced, you know, the, the, the young Tierra from early, you know, the, the, the brothers, the sisters, the trying to, you know, keep the fights to a minimal because fights are always going to happen. Oh my um, God. <laughs> college, the transition, you know, the, the fighting for everything that you've got. If there was one word to describe you, what would that one word be and why? The word word that comes to my mind is perseverance. And why? Because it's it's been like the theme of my life since Mm. I was a child. Having to persevere, like even in my my home, my household, and, and also having to persevere just through different experiences and having to persevere through uh, different school experiences and, um, you know, just life in general, but I'm, I don't give up. And it, it definitely, you know, how people are like, Oh, it makes you stronger. It, it definitely, it, it just helped me to see more of my purpose, you mm. know? And so it, it definitely elevated me. So I would say perseverance for sure. You know, it, it's, this just came to mind when you said it definitely makes you stronger. And don't get me wrong. It does a hundred, a thousand million percent. But I also think it's very important to know that through every adversity and trial and tribulations and obstacles, it takes a little bit out of you as well. Right. right. And you don't always get that back right away because everything is a give and take. The more <laughs> the more you try to go up, you got to give a little bit to, for that to happen. And so, you know, as, as my grandfather used to say, you know, uh, 
what separates people from overcoming their battles, overcoming their trials and tribulation is the fact that they chose to get up one more time. Right. You right. Know, and, and, and to be honest with you too, it did make me stronger. Yeah, you're right. I think it also, it was some of the most, my weakest times, you know? So although it made me stronger, it also exposed to me some of the weakest moments of my life, you know, which um, like I said, those moments, they definitely help you. They help elevate my purpose, help, help inform me of purpose, help me to see what I wouldn't see if I didn't experience those low moments, you know? And so it did, it did a lot, a little bit of keep getting me stronger. Yes, it got me, I was weak at sometimes, but it definitely, I mean, God is such a strategic and intentional God that it, it definitely, it strengthened my understanding. If anything, if it strengthened anything, my understanding of my purpose even more. It's funny, like, you know, we, 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 <laughs> God always, He'll, he'll protect us from getting hit and he'll shield us from getting hit, but he doesn't allow us not to get hit. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, come on, bro. Like, what's, what's... <laughs> I love what you just said. That is so true. <laughs> Tara, where can people follow you? Where can people get in touch with you? If people want to work with you, book a session. How can they do that? Yeah, I mean, you can totally find me on, on Instagram. It's doc underscore Tierra. So D-O-C underscore T-I-E-R-R-A. You can also find me on, you can, you can find me on psychesofcolor.org too. That's our organization's email, our website. Well, it's everything. It's the website, the email. <laughs> yeah. But you can find me, find me on, um, on there. Um, you can email me <laughs> and it's, um, it's, in, so it's Tierra at psychesofcolor.org and psyches of color is P-S-Y-C-H-E-S-O-F color, C-O-L-O-R.org. And it's just my first name at that. And that's my email. And I'll make sure we plug everything on our end here. And when you do email and make sure you address her as a doctor, Tierra, <laughs> because we work for that. We work for that. Um, but seriously, you know, follow her on social media. She gives a lot of heartfelt emotion, both, both practical tips, information, and also ways how to cope with it. So for me to you, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate all that you share. And if I can ever help with anything, just let me know. And I look forward to connecting and, and seeing what the future holds and just know like, you're a light in this world and I hope that you never forget that. I appreciate you. I appreciate you and I appreciate you for having me. It definitely is a blessing. So thank you so much. And just being connected with you, another light in this world. <laughs> Have a great rest of your day, T. You too. Take care. You too.